What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I am Jessica. Welcome back. Say welcome to episode 22. I'm excited we got it this far already. Yeah. You still got a lot of stuff to talk about, so don't think we're slowing down or nothing. Nope, we got all kinds of stuff to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, the main topic of this episode, we had you folks on our social media vote for it. Uh, on our Twitter, Google Plus, and Facebook pages, and it I was believe a close call. It was a close call, yeah. Um, but the winning vote uh, for the cha- for the uh, Warrior Specialization we would talk about today was the Berserker. It pulled ahead by just a smidge. Yep, just pulled a little bit ahead of Guardian. Mm-hmm. Followed pretty closely by Champion, and apparently none of you like Chevaliers. So. Uh, we'll talk about it eventually, but maybe we'll talk about it later than the other ones. We got a couple of special requests for the Reaver, so we'll be definitely oh, taking yeah. that one into consideration, because that one's cool. That is a cool one. And so is the Spirit Warrior. Mm-hmm. But we'll be talking about those guys a little later. Unfortunately, we got no news for you this week in Thetis. Still pretty quiet, um, and I suppose on the Bioware front, uh, just thought you would let you guys know that no one in this house, at least, has played Mass Effect Andromeda yet. Not yet. Got that whole stuff I have to do. Yeah. Also, we've been playing Tales of the Abyss. It's true. It's a good time. Also, lots of uh, painful backstories and uh, people making some difficult decisions. We have so many co-podcasters today. Yep, quite a few. What can you do? What can you do? Dog, a cat, and an ug. Yep. Well, two of them make squeaking noises. It's true. So, bringing all our animal companions with us, we'll be moving right along to consult the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. we got a couple a couple questions for you this time. First, and let's see, and uh, quite dear to our hearts. As always. As, as always, is our friend Parsifal from the Green Ronin Forums. Uh, Parsifal, you asked, uh, and we quote, what do you think are the main ways that magic has changed from Dragon Age Origins to Dragon Age Inquisition? I can think of the loss of flaming weapons type spells and healing. Are there any ways a GM could reflect the changes themselves in Inquisition era games? And uh, to answer your question, Parsifal, I don't, don't really think that magic magic itself has changed much. It just mm-hmm. kind of feels like a like a house ruling kind of thing. Like if yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition was a campaign, it would be. Uh, the GM wanting the game to play a certain way, to make healing potions more important. Yeah, I think that the change in the way spells work is a choice that is more based on how gameplay works in mm-hmm. in the video game and how they wanted certain aspects of the game to be easier or more difficult by, you know, for example, restricting healing magic mm-hmm. and making healing something that you can do. Through potions and resting at camps. Yeah. And it's uh, having healing in the game would have offset that in some strange ways and mm-hmm. would, could have been more difficult to balance. And so, and likewise, probably with the flaming weapons and such, I would imagine that those were all left out just for mechanical gameplay purposes. Mm. And they did include a couple of new things. So I imagine they wanted to try and branch out and try some new things. And mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that magic has changed that much. It could also be that the specific characters that you were playing had uh, very specific tool sets that they were mm-hmm. working with. It's true. It's, yeah, it's a rather small sample size of people. It's true. 
It's true. Got uh, only a couple of mages, and it's kind of hard to tell what kind of builds they'd have with the tabletop role-playing game, but maybe when an Inquisition book comes out, we can figure that out later. Yeah, it could be good. Yeah, it could be fun. Or maybe they'll have some new stuff in Faces of Anus for us. Who knows? Yeah, stuff happens. Hmm. It's cool. So, thank you again for your question, Parsifal. I hope that was an okay answer. And, of <laughs> course, you know, if you want to set it up so that there is a change in magic mm-hmm. and from a lore perspective you could totally do that i mean not there's no reason mm-hmm. you couldn't do that yeah it's every gm every gm could certainly do that i could see some players getting a little upset that uh they have essentially fewer options yeah um, or what could be seen as fewer options especially from a role-playing game perspective because the tabletop role-playing game plays very differently from the video game and inquisition's got some very specific uh I guess, kind of like flows or sequences or you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you're supposed sort to be of. supposed to be a bit more strategic about your healing because you know, you've got mages who, in the game, are constantly replenishing their mana. Then healing becomes really cheap. Yeah, and uh, constantly replenishing mana is not a thing that happens in mm-hmm. the role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Trust me. It's true. And, uh... In the video game, health does not replenish, uh, and you can't take breathers like you can in the video in the, in the tabletop game. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's a it's a specific GM wanting to run a very specific campaign. So if you want to represent it that uh, the way close more closely to Inquisition, it makes it'll make a slightly different game than uh, what the tabletop role playing game kind of assumes. So but, just yeah. bear you that. You always do whatever you want. Yeah, you're the GM. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's, where I am. that's good. I like it. All right. Uh, and we got two questions from a new question asker, uh, a Clayton Anderson, who sent us some questions through our email. Thank you so much, Clayton. Thank you very much. That's always great to hear from new people. Uh, and see, he sounds like he's really into these names of his next question. He sounds like he's playing a mage in his campaign, and they're having a lot of fun. I'm also into this next question. Oh, yeah. So, uh, this next one's a little long. Uh, I went ahead and uh, grabbed the whole thing to get all of the context in, and... Uh, not the whole email, of course. But um, first question from Clayton was, uh, what are the top tier control spells? I'm playing a mage in my game. While you can technically do anything you want, there appear to be a few roles that you should at least dabble in. Those being healing, range damage, crowd control, perhaps some side roads and helping the party deal with hostile magic. I found Mind Blast to be indispensable in keeping large groups off of us. We are low level, and I'm not sure what other spells there are for crowd control. Or am I completely mistaken, and crowd control isn't as important as I think it is? I've looked through the spells a few times now, and haven't found a better one that comes on later on. So, well, meaty uh, question there, Clayton. Thank you. I'll tell you one thing. Short answer is the reason you haven't found a better thing than Mind Blast is because Mind Blast is really fun. It's a good one. I can't tell you how satisfying it is when you have a... It's you versus another caster, and you pull high initiative, and you just trap them in the mind blasts forever mm-hmm. because they're not going to have the might to you oh, know, yeah. get past it. It's true. So you just keep hitting them with mind blasts and they keep getting up and using only a minor action and being very upset with you. But it's hard to see that they're upset when they're falling down all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, really it helps. It lets you sort of stun lock an enemy into or multiple enemies if you've got a bunch of weak enemies in one mm-hmm. set of you know four by, uh, two by two squares. Yeah. It's, especially against multiple enemies, it could probably work a little less good, because then they could start spreading out, but then maybe that's what you want in the first place, for them yeah. to start spreading out so that the people, your allies can start locking them down <clears throat> other combat. Yeah, but it is super useful against other mages, and nice. other people who have low might, mm-hmm. because they just, 
there's not a whole lot they can do. That's true. Once your spell power gets to a certain point, they just better hope that a friend of theirs or something is able to take you out because mm-hmm. you you can just stun lock them into yeah. into oblivion. Of course, that's against uh, single opponents. If there's large groups of people, especially like it'll one work, mage, it'll and work big once or twice. Or, yeah, it'll work once or twice, and it can give you it can give you some very valuable breathing room. Mm-hmm. But you do have to cast it every round, and it's not terribly expensive. It's pretty cheap. It's like mm-hmm. three, something like that. It's true. And uh, crowd control is definitely going to remain very important for a lot of the game, especially yeah. if uh, there's a lot of enemies and you need to keep some of them off your party. Honestly, I would say less crowd control and more battlefield control. Mm-hmm. Being able to control the shape and flow of the combat, being able to control where you're fighting and what the circumstances are in that, mm-hmm. those are all very important things to be able to do. Yes. And That's for that, yeah, and for that, there are a few things that you might want to take a look at that are not, you know, not just Mind Blast. Mm-hmm. On the creation side of things, there are a couple of uh, spells that I think are particularly useful. Mm-hmm. One of them is, uh, what's it called? Uh, glyph uh, of, glyph yeah. of, uh, glyph of repulsion. repulsion. Which can be very nice if you're getting surrounded and you just want people to go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. They go away. They don't really have much of a choice in whether or not they go it away. It only hits enemies, right? Yep. Nice. So that one can be very useful for keeping stuff away from you and anybody else that you're protecting. Uh, let's see. Another one that I thought about that I thought would be really mm-hmm. useful would be the Shape Earth or something. The shape it? Earth, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shape Earth. The it's one a creation where you can, spell, yeah. You could just create your own physical, like literally alter the battlefield yeah. so that you can have the can advantage. You can use it on like dirt, sand, stone, stone. mud, probably. Yeah. That, yeah. uh,. All of that would be particularly useful. Yeah, build some walls or maybe make some difficult terrain. Mm-hmm. And uh, another interesting battlefield control ability comes with the Keeper specialization. Mm-hmm. And you get Ensnare, which is sort of the opposite of Glyph of Repulsion, <laughs> where you just take a bunch of jerks that are within a reasonable distance of you and bring them all right next to you. And if you combine that with Force Field, th- that works out pretty well. And if you combine both of those with Wrath of the Elven, then you just keep pulling them back into your <laughs> Wrath of the Elven and they take the penetrating damage and they can't attack you because you have a Force Field. <laughs> Punks. And then if you feel like you need to leave, you just use Stone's Throw and, like, you know, tunnel <laughs> underground to get out. Or Glyph of Repulsion. Yeah, you know, or just make them all go away again. <laughs> it's, uh, there are a few ways to really do it. Obviously, if you want to do some major debuff stuff, you're going to want to look at... Entropy. Entropy. Entropy's got some really cool stuff for debuff. It's got all kinds of things. Some mm-hmm. that I would not looked at before, like Cloud of Entropy. Let's see, or a Death Cloud? Was Death or... Cloud. There was another one, wasn't and there? There's Entropic Cloud. Entropic yeah. Cloud, that's the one. That one's mean. Yeah, Entropic Cloud and Death Cloud are both terrifying. Mm-hmm. Death Cloud kills people. Death um, Cloud is just straight up murdery. Uh, Entropic Cloud requires you to be a master of Entropy Magic, have uh, have the master degree of the talent, but it gives your allies boosts and extra stunt points when they generate stunt points, and it gives your enemies penalties and penalties to stunt points that they generate. Also, not uh, not completely related, but sort of a side thing, mm. since we're talking a little bit about battlefield control. I just had this sort of epiphany today, actually, mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to get there. I'm not uh-huh. sure why it took me this long to get to the battlefield mm-hmm. and yes. figure out sort of where you want to be. If you really want to focus stuff hard, uh, the hex line is mostly about debuffing very specific opponents, but some of them later on get kind of devastating like if you manage to get all the way to the death hex like 
Um, everybody, like everybody who attacks that person, gets attack and damage bonuses and bonus stunt points when they attack them. Like that person's it's pretty gone. Nasty. And misdirection hex itself gives them penalties to attack and keeps them from generating stunt points. Yeah, that's a pain. That one's a pain. Oh, to uh, sort of segue into your second question. Oh yes. Another sort of great form of crowd control is in the primal line, and it would be mm. the uh, set the winter's grasp line of spells yeah, the blizzard the cold line yep, the cold line. line so your second question was uh out of the primal spells which have the most bang for your mana additionally which ones go well together which step on each other in performance to boil this question down further which primal lines would you recommend if you were not going to take them all uh well since you were talking about crowd control and debuffing before mm-hmm. uh it that's obviously the ice line of it it really depends on what you want to do with your primal magic if you're looking for straight damage and are going to have particularly high spell power tests like if you've got a high spell power and you're trying to do damage lightning Mm -hmm. is probably your best bet because all the damage rolls that you're going to roll on lightning are penetrating damage uh some of the other spells have higher damage rolls for uh (laughs) for them um but um but lightning is always going to be penetrating Mm -hmm. and uh, but it does. All of them do involve making Constitution stamina tests, which some enemies, which is a, more like, enemies are going to have yeah. than more enemies are going to have than others than tests yeah. they might make. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, but the ice line is a really is really good for is really good for controlling the battlefield. Yep, it doesn't do quite as much damage, but it slows people down and knocks them down, and mm-hmm. occasionally, you know, if they die, they freeze solid. Mm-hmm. It's pretty and you scary. get a buff, and you get a buff spell in there. You get freezing weapons or frost yep. weapons. Frost weapons. Which, which stacks with telekinetic weapons and flaming and weapons. flaming weapons. If you got all three of those, we did that once. Did, we did do that once. Yeah. I can't cast those other two, but we right. did, we did it once. The archon helped you with those other two. Yes, but that's fun. But yeah, that's that's a pretty so, fun way to go. And, and then, then fire is sort of a healthy balance. It's fire's got flame blast is just straight damage. It's a it's a fairly powerful like starter spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the more power, one of the more painful starter spells, especially if you not start using penetrating like damage. Yeah. It does not do penetrating damage. Uh, it requires dexterity acrobatics to avoid, um, which is a little less common than constitution. It's true. And then um, the second spell you get is flaming weapons, which is a buff for everybody. Everybody does an extra d6 of damage, which is nice. Um, and then fireball is fun because that one always guarantees damage. Um, if the uh, and then knocks people prone. If they make the test, they don't fall prone. But they still take all the damage that you throw at them. Um, and then Inferno uh, is a very expensive spell, uh, but does really solid damage. Uh, and then if they make the if test... If they make the test, they take less damage, but then fall prone. <laughs> because they jumped out of the way of the fire. So unless you're dealing with a guardian, people are falling down. Right. So it, then the Inferno is kind of fun, because it's either you know a bunch of damage or a little bit of damage and they fall down. Yeah. So I would say... The win-win. And then the uh, Stone Line... I'm a little less familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, get rock armor. Yeah, just do it. It's it's a good choice. There's no reason it, to not get. It's going to keep you alive. Um, the stone one's pretty good. Uh, as I said, rock armor is a good, solid, very solid defense. And mm-hmm. It's almost kind of a required defense because it's going to keep you awake. It's a spell tax. It's true. Um, very, it's very much appreciated though. And then um, stone fist is a nice solid hit and a knock prone, which requires Constitution stamina to avoid. Um, and earthquake then earthquake, next. yeah, earthquake is a solid, is a nice debuff. It slows people down, gives them penalties on attack rolls, and uh, costs a lot less than I thought it would. Yeah, that would probably be the best debuffer or a uh, control spell of the three mm-hmm. of them. 
And then, of course, uh, an earthquake then goes to petrify. Just turn people to stone. Yeah. Why not? If you want to turn people to stone, go with that one. You don't want someone fighting right now, you can take them out of the fight for a little bit. Hmm. I don't think it does any actual damage, though. It doesn't deal damage, no. It just holds them still. So, stone is kind of an interesting line. Yeah. yeah. Worth, keeping, worth keeping an eye hmm. on. Uh, let's see... So you could combine, like, fire and lightning and just try to do as much damage yeah, as possible. If you just want to blow people up, fire and lightning is a good place to be. Yeah. If you um, want some debuff, put some ice in there. Mm-hmm. Put some ice on it. <laughs> put some ice on it. If you want a bit more defense, go, st- go earth. And just take rock armor. Or just take rock armor and then call it a day and start taking some other stuff. It's fun. Mm-hmm. So well, hopefully that answers your question. Yes. Thank you so much, Clayton. Thank you again, Parsifal. Uh, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, any questions of any kind, you can send us a message at the one is a thetis podcast at gmail.com. You can send it through us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Cut the Protector on the Green Ronin forums. That's me. And I suppose they could send you, you a message. You could send one to Healer Puff on the forums, but I wouldn't. You wouldn't? That's pretty bad advertising <laughs> for myself, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you, you don't go on there that much. No, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, you've got plenty of stuff to do. So got toddlers and junk to but deal with. I check it habitually, so feel free to send one to me. He's checking all the time. Oh, yeah. So, um, thank you for the questions. Uh, we'll move on to uh, something else that Parsifal presented to us. By stepping into, or I guess opening our books to the distant verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. <laughs> of course, but... Welcome to the Dissonant Verses. We received a challenge from Parsifal uh, after our last episode. Challenge! Yes. Um, the Your challenge was, and I paraphrase, recall you discussing in earlier podcast that many primal spells do not level up very well. At higher levels, the damage output increases only slightly against foes who have much higher health, even if the primal talent is invested in. Would you? How would you construct a template for the elementalist specialization that the mage Rian uses in Inquisition multiplayer? Let's see. Uh, you can talk through reasoning if you could. Uh, I know you constructed some magic items that boost it, uh, but how would you do it? But it, maybe a specialization could help. So, to you we present uh, a distant verse uh, submission from ourselves. Hmm. Uh, the elementalist specialization. Let's see. You can, of course... Read the description. Uh, so we placed it on our blog. Uh, Find our resources for your game page, so you can go check it out anytime you like. So, if you want to take this specialization, obviously you got to be a mage. Uh, it requir- helps. Yes. Uh, the requirements for getting the specialization are: you must have a magic of three or higher, and you have to have the primal magic journeyman degree of a journeyman degree talent. Uh, so, journeyman degree and the primal magic talent. It makes a lot of sense. That's what you're here for, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. The novice degree, uh, and we'll walk through, and so, Parsifal, you can hear about it. Uh, your elemental magics are more powerful thanks to special training. You can use the mighty spell stunt for one stun point instead of the usual two, but only when casting primal spells. Seems like a fairly straightforward, like a pretty obvious mm-hmm. thing that prim- that uh, folks who blow stuff up gonna want to do. So, first thing you learn is getting more is getting more oomph into your spells a little more easily. So then you can have extra stun points left over for things like puissant casting, or skillful casting, or even fast casting, so you can get a second primal spell. Definitely fast casting. Oh, yeah. Uh, The journeyman degree, uh, you have learned how to overburn your mana when you have less, boosting your spells without causing you to explode. I like not exploding. (laughs) Yes. 
your primal spells deal plus one damage for every 10 mana you are below your maximum. For example, a mage with 20 out of 50 mana would gain a plus three bonus to damage with their primal spells. This bonus to damage cannot exceed your magic score. That's neat. Um, I was looking through Rion's uh, uh, talent trees from the Inquisition multiplayer, and he's got a couple of interesting little passive abilities, and this was one of them. I think it was, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was basically the less mana you have, the more damage your spells do. Okay, so, I like it. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of cool, and and it, it seems it seemed like something that elementals would be doing because mm-hmm. they're going to be casting a lot of spells in the first place. I'm so. glad you capped it at magic score. Yes, I figured that it should probably cap at a certain spot because yeah. once you if you're got like, I mean if you're casting really big spells by the time you got ten out of like a hundred mana, you're probably going to run out of pretty quick anyway. But that's like that's actually that actually works for <laughs> plus nine. I mean, it, it would work for you because you got that staff of Parthalon. Yeah, you can't get you can't take it again. <laughs> well, it just means I get to be a little bit meaner with some of the yeah. foes that I'm throwing at you guys. Let's show them. What's what's the master part? Master degrees. You learn a complex magical technique of creating momentum in your mana. If you cast a primal spell, you can cast her for one mana less than usual for every primal spell you have cast in a previous consecutive round to a maximum reduction equal to your magic. For example, a mage who has cast Flame Blast on round one, Winter's Grasp and Shock on round two, mm-hmm. and Chain Lightning on round three would cast their next primal spell for four mana less than usual. If you go around without casting a primal spell, you must start over. Interesting. Um, Rion also had another ability where, um, let's see, of course, in the multiplayer of Inquisition, is every time you cast a spell, the cooldowns for all of your spells that are in cooldown would get a short, would, would lose like a second or two. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was a pretty good way to go, and... It's not that big of a of a discount in mana, but it is. It's it's gonna say it's gonna help save you mana in the long run. Yeah, I I like it a lot. I think that one thing that might help with dealing with the discrepancies in role playing mm-hmm. game, yeah. would be having some sort of ability that causes uh, or gives you the opportunity to do penetrating damage with your spell when you normally couldn't. Mm-hmm. Obviously, under certain circumstances right. and with certain limitations. Well, there is already kind of the spell expertise talent. I figured we could probably just leave that where it was because if you go with spell expertise, first you'd get primal magic uh, stunts and then you would get the uh, core advanced spell stunts, which includes penetrating spell. Okay. A bit more of a, uh, it's a bit more of a kind of an investment, but those are talents that you'll be taking on levels that you're not getting specialization talents. So you mm-hmm. could be doing both of them at the same time. That's true. Um, now there is a possible pitfall that I realized with the last one uh, that hopefully uh, that that which is why I included one of the cap on the reduction in uh, spell cost is that uh, especially if you're really good at primal magic, uh, some of those uh, primal spells are probably going to cost like two mana for you to cast. So mm. if you just, like, cast a spell at the sky, uh, and then you cast another spell at the sky, you, you, just... keep, you, you keep doing it, because eventually, like, that two-mana that two mana spell is going to cost zero mana for you to keep casting. So you just kind of work it up to the, pot, to the maximum possible reduction. Um, which also probably is not going to work very well in the context of Thetis, because people are probably going to notice if fire and lightning is jumping into the air like that. Well, it'll work if you're in the middle of a fight. Right, if you're in the middle of a fight... I figured like, that, uh, well, flame blast, flame blast forever now. Oh yeah, I figured. Yeah, you I mean it would make even your small spells free to cast, and you can do mighty spell for cheaper. And I would, if you're, oh, you go ahead, finish yeah. your thought. Well, that was that was pretty much. Uh, it. I was gonna say I would say that it can't reduce it below a spell's cost below one at the very least. Mm-hmm. Or you know, just that way because casting spells costs mana that is what mm-hmm. you're exchanging to cast the spell, so it probably yeah. should at least cost you something. I could see that. 
That makes sense. Maximum reduction equal to your magic minimum one. Mm-hmm. I can add that part well, to it. Cannot reduce spell cannot below. Cannot reduce below one. Mm-hmm. So, I um, hope you like it. You can find uh, that, of course, archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, oneisathetispodcast.wordpress.com. Hope that works out for you, Parsifal. Uh, it's... I don't know if it's quite the boost that uh, folks were hoping for, but specializations aren't, you know, end-all-be-all superpowers. It's they, true. They give you a boost. They, they let you do some cool tricks. And I figured that these were some cool tricks that Primalists would probably appreciate. Yeah. So, if you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or send us your own, you can send a message to podcast at gmail.com. You can send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Cod the Protector on the Green Running forums. That's me. That's him. So, um, I'm getting this, I've been getting a little frustrated with how long it's been taking to get to this, uh, main topic for today. I think I just might, uh, go berserk about uh, this one. That was, that was a segue. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So, you're a berserker. Good job. Neat. Well done, you. Maybe we should... We're, uh, we're going to talk about your anger issues and uh, how you can use them to crush your enemies. <laughs> uh, turn to page 71 of the core rulebook and you can see the spec for yourself. Uh, we won't read about what the spec does. You can find out for yourself. It's not that long. You already. bought the book, right? You bought the book, right? Yeah, cool stuff. You can get the PDF for it and it's neat. So, um, straight up question, what's a berserker? Uh, Berserker, obviously, is a warrior specialization. Uh, It requires a strength and a willpower of three to take it in the first place. Um, But a Berserker is someone who uses a deep and profound rage to unlock incredible fighting strength and resiliency. Anybody can lose their temper in a fight. Most experienced warriors argue that uh, losing yourself to this battle rage clouds your judgment and can spell doom for you and your companions. It makes you nothing more than a barbarian. Berserkers are not mere barbarians. They are far from it. These are the ones who, when faced with the darkness and terror of war and combat, do not simply get angry and swing their weapons harder. They are the ones who commit, howling at the sky and launching themselves into the fray. They are a horror to behold and a disaster to face in the melee, for a true berserker is not merely a raging warrior, but a living incarnation of fear and destruction. Can you tell that Ren has some fondness for this particular... I might like this specialization, maybe because it's my warden's first specialization. I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, know. You Stuff happens. You didn't write anyway. any poetry for the uh, spirit healer is all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, no, no. No. You didn't either. Not my job. No. English teacher? Could have come up I with I don't teach English, spot, now right? I teach babies. Uh-huh, right. Sure. Teaching English to babies now. I'm teaching not biting to babies right now. Fair enough. That's an important skill. It's a hard skill, apparently. Especially for berserkers. (laughs) That's true, which takes us back to berserkers. (laughs) A true berserker comes only from intense training in body and mind in order for their bodies to withstand the rage and their minds to hold it back when they are not in battle. The berserker to become a berserker. uh, Let's see, to a berserker becoming the terror of war is the only way to fight on. Uh, the Berserker evokes the classic tropes of the Raging Barbarian, and in many ways it is quite similar. Uh, but being a Berserker in Thetis is considered more of a true fighting discipline than a simple desire to lose oneself in the carnage. It can take incredible control to know when to lose control. And Berserkers are not sloppy fighters. So there is a difference. Yes. In Thetis, being a Berserker is quite different. 
it's it's uh, if someone is actually a berserker, it probably means that uh, they know what they're doing. Because being a real berserker, it means a lot more than just taking the all-out attack action all the time. Uh, this means harnessing something really, really powerful and primal inside yourself and using it as a weapon. So, um, so it's 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 similar to the barbarian archetype, but also it, it's a bit more, I guess, disciplined in a way. Mm-hmm. It does take quite a bit of discipline. Um, because uh, our second question is, where do berserkers come from? The tradition of the berserker originates from the warrior caste of Orzammar. Uh, it was developed centuries ago with a simple goal to internalize the terror and use it as your weapon. It was likely developed as both a fighting style and a coping mechanism for the battle against the relentless darkspawn. But it was very effective. I can see that being kind of a vital evolution in fighting for people uh-huh. who are fighting Darkspawn. And... Right. Yeah, that that seems important. I can mm-hmm. see how this came about. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Warrior, warriors at the Warrior Cast <laughs> love telling stories about Darkspawn hesitating when they see a squad of raging berserkers advancing on them. And it gives them a bit of safety, I think. Mm-hmm. It makes the... Because Darkspawn are, you know, mindless killers. Uh turning that back on them just a little bit has caused them to hesitate a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Also, such things are good for morale, whether or not true. they're true. Uh-huh. Uh, the dwarves eventually took this discipline to the surface, uh, and the Avar learned it from them. Uh, after the Avar, the Ferelden's caught onto the style. Uh, now you can find berserkers just about everywhere, although usually in less cosmopolitan settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, most members of knightly orders at the Templars and Chevaliers are not likely going to have berserkers in their ranks, but the Avar people, Ferelden's, uh, folks from the Anderfels or more rural sides of countries, could produce a berserker. Uh, and it's it, it can come about in places that don't necessarily require training, per se, uh, but require that uh, mental, forti- mental and physical fortitude to harness that anger. Um, so, how does one become a berserker? Uh, usually becoming a berserker is it's a fighting style, so it has to be taught. Uh, there are plenty of people in Thetis who can teach the specialization to you, and they can be found just about anywhere. You likely might not recognize they are a berserker until they get into a fight that they intend to win decisively. Uh, that's when the rage comes out, and uh, things get real serious really fast. Yeesh. So, uh, many might go to the source directly and visit Orzammar to learn the warrior from the warrior cast about how to become one. I can only imagine that's going to meet with uh, mixed responses. You could also... Be born in Orzammar. Also that, if you happen to be a member of the uh, warrior caste, it's quite likely that you have received training into becoming a berserker. Um, especially if you are being expected to go fight the Darkspawn very soon. Yep, that mm-hmm. would be a good time to learn. Yeah. Uh, if you were raised among the Avar warriors, you likely would have a similar fighting style taught to you by your elders. It's probably going to be a little different from how the, uh, the dwarves teach it. Um, but the Avar are very tough, very proud people, and uh, they have to master some pretty harsh environments, so being able to, so being able, it's it's probably a bit of a coping mechanism for them too. Um, and finally, you could join, uh, not finally, but uh, as another suggestion, you could join the Ash Warriors, Ferelden's most respected mercenary company. Uh, they only fight for causes they deem just and noble, and they often work for no money. They practice the berserker fighting tradition, but they also have bound Mabari warhounds. Oh, thank you. Mount Mabori Warhounds, who go into battle with them, uh, making them especially dangerous and respected by the Ferelvans. I think that was supposed to say bonded. Okay. I added the U by mistake. I was worried you were <laughs> going to say that they bounded people. And... Uh, right, right. So, more bond Mabari Warhounds. No, no, Ferelvans would never bound a Warhound. Bind. Bind a Mabari. Thank you. 
English teacher. Yeah, you wanted the English teacher. Uh huh. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. So, um, as for other such as for other ways to claim the specialization, Dragon Age Origins had a manual. You can too if you want. Uh, a manual like that is likely penned by a dwarf, but could also have a unique perspective if penned by somebody outside Orzmar. Maybe from a different, maybe so maybe like penned by someone from the Ash Warriors. Or uh, maybe even, I don't know if Avar have a written language or not. They might. I, I imagine many of them can write in trade probably. tongue anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. Let's see. So they could write, they could write a book for you. Or uh, then they could have uh, some written accounts of what it's like to be a, bar, to be a berserker. Um, and I'm sure that there are plenty of other places where, uh, let's see, where Berserkers could come from. Um, those are just three three suggestions. You can always, of course, make your own faction from another country that have, that uh, includes Berserkers. Mm-hmm. Um, going on a quest can also work well, as a character may need to find a way to reach that well of rage in themselves and turn it into a weapon. Uh, GMs could even weave a side quest into the story before they take the specialization in order to the, for them to find something to feed their anger. Ah. Like a particularly nasty villain or a uh, particularly sad uh, or, say, or venge, vengeance creating, creating tragedy. Yep. The, uh, the If you're making a berserker, be aware that, you know, in order to help you have the anger to do it, your GM may come after your loved ones. It's quite possible. You know. Because uh, all of the sources where you get uh, let's see all the places where you can learn or get uh, berserkers. Uh, let's see the berserker training are going to agree on one thing: is that you have to have something that makes you angry. You got to be able to reach inside yourself and find that rage to be brought out at a moment's notice. Most berserkers agree that have something that makes you angry helps you drag out that rage quickly when you need it. So finding something that makes your character angry should be a big part of their story. So keep that in mm-hmm. mind. Should be something that you're character holds near and dear to them oh yes just generally not a healthy way of dealing with one's anger but it's in true. this case it kind of works kind of helps you kill people easier I mean, okay. I mean it's a very it's a very dragon age way of coping with things yep so being becoming a berserker is uh of course all in the story but if you are playing if you're playing a berserker how's it supposed to feel so berserkers shine in melee combat Range combat is really not going to work for you, especially when you go into berserk mode because your range damage your range damage is actually going to well, your perception doesn't drop. But when you go into berserk, you take a penalty to perception. Um, but I think it's perception tests, not the ability itself. But okay. you get bonuses to melee damage rolls. Yeah. So melee don't, combat, don't be an archer. right? Don't be an archer. I mean, I guess you could. It's just not going to do much for you. <laughs> or at least don't go berserk when you pull out the bow and arrow. Um, so, as a warrior with thick armor and high attack modifiers, the spec is going to make you very dangerous in melee. Uh, the only, let's see, of course, it only gets better as the spec incre- uh, advances. You get uh, bigger damage boost uh, and a, and a, and a uh, discount on a very, very precious stunt. Lethal Blow. I do love Lethal Blow. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Um... So, you're going to probably want to invest in your armor rating as going into Berserk does drop your defense a smidge. Uh, but there are several weapon styles, that, uh, weapon style talents that can fill in the hole, uh, like dual weapon, weapon and shield, and single weapon style. Let's see. Um, Berserkers are frontliners, rushing to meet the enemy head-on and create a deadly momentum that the enemy cannot match. It would be appropriate for you to take quite a few all-out attack actions. Just be careful of dropping your defense too low. Eh, I mean... <laughs> Be careful or just have a really high armor rating and take the hits. Correct. 
It's true. Uh, eventually, you're also going to be getting the veteran ability as a warrior, meaning you can boost your damage even further by taking a penalty in the attack roll. Um, but as to the armor, uh, the armor thing, your pro- armor training talent is probably going to be very valuable for someone like you. Yeah. Uh, because you're probably going to have a lower defense, and you may wish, con- and you may even consider trying to get to the master degree of the armor training talent, so you always have at least half your armor rating. Yep. Because... Penetrating damage doesn't work on you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in Berserk mode, you do take a penalty to perception tests, uh, meaning you could be slightly susceptible to backstabs for enemy rogues, but it shouldn't cause you too much trouble, because it's not that big a penalty. Yeah, not everybody's a backstabbing rogue. So. It's true. Uh, if you have the observation talent, you could select the seeing focus as the reroll for the talent and shore up the potential weakness, especially if you know there are going to be a lot of rogues, rogue enemies in your campaign. So, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to be doing, like, I guess, if a Berserker's coming along for Intrigue Adventures in Orlais. You never know. <laughs> It's a very odd couple scenario. You could probably see it more in Tevinter. Mm-hmm. Gotta get angry in Tevinter. Um, if you're a dual-wielding warrior, uh, it means that you're going to get that damage bonus from Berserk mode uh, on each of the attacks that you make, as long as you're getting multiple swings in. This can add up pretty quick, uh, the more degrees you have in dual weapon and Berserker. If I uh, combine multiple attacks with lightning attack stunts and some bonuses from the party mage, and you could change a battle's pace pretty quickly. Yeah, you could. Oof. Uh, and, of course, if you choose to go for the classic two-handed style, two-handed style Berserker, um, you will become especially dangerous. Because if you have the Master Degree of Berserker and the Journeyman Degree of two-handed style, you can add 3d6 to a stamina roll for only five stun points, because you are getting stun point discounts on both Mighty Blow and Lethal Blow. You can also learn to re-roll damage rolls, maximizing your destructive force. So, nice. worth keeping in mind. Uh, going with unarmed style can be quite fun, as unarmed style has mm. many abilities that make you an obnoxious debuffer for your opponents, knocking them to the ground, throwing their weapons away, and then pummeling them with your raging fists. One of our PCs made very good use of this combo. I miss her. Mm-hmm. You punched that Chevalier's horse out from the bedroom with one go. That was <laughs> don't punch really... the Chevalier. We don't want a diplomatic incident. Horse is fair game. Whop! Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Vinok, we miss you. She knocked the horse off, Sarah, off its feet. we miss you. <laughs> it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent combo going yes. with unarmed and mm-hmm. oh, it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, especially because unarmed uh, doesn't always have as high damage potential as some of the other um, fighting styles do, but Berserker can really help you push it up there. And then you've got some excellent debuff options and mm-hmm. you're still doing plenty of damage. Oh yeah, especially if you go dual weapon style because so you can both punch with both fists. So you got getting... two, you might as well use them both. Yeah, exactly. So then you can be quite the brawler. So, um, for other build suggestions, are there any other specs that work well with the Berserker spec? Uh, there are a few. Uh, we'll go down the list. Champion makes plenty of sense for Berserkers who become leaders, uh, like Avar raid leaders or commanders in the Ash Warriors or Warrior casts. Uh, the flavors mix quite well, and you can cancel out your defense penalty with the journeyman degree of Champion. Mm. Um, and of course, I imagine you're probably going to be charging into combat in the first place, so it gives you a super cool war cry. And that, there that you go. Makes a lot of sense for everybody. A likes a super cool war cry. Heck yeah! Minor action, berserk. Major action, charge him. There you go. Uh, a berserker chevalier may sound strange. It does. Uh, but a disgraced chevalier taking their rage onto horseback could be dangerous indeed. The combined speed of your mount and the extra damage from lances could make your charges something worth fearing. Keep in mind that. Though, there, if you're worried about flavor, mm-hmm. that literally the thing you just described is about the only way I could see these two things ever combining. That's true. 
So it would be very difficult mm-hmm. to justify unless yeah. you are literally just a disgraced chevalier taking mm. your rage onto horseback. It would probably be that Berserker would be the second specialization you take because you yeah. became a chevalier first. And well, then things got bad. And then he got angry. Although it could be pretty funny to see somebody who started out as a berserker being forced into a more refined manner of combat and not yes. quite succeeding at it. Mm-hmm. So either the other way around fun. does work. Yeah, could be fun. Uh, berserkers may sound quite different from guardians who try to pre- who stay to protect their allies, but if you have someone who needs protecting, people will likely think twice before attacking your charge of clothes. Uh, the journeyman and the master degree of guardian have some clever abilities that berserkers will likely appreciate. Not being moved and uh, getting some free attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is kind of an obvious one, but the Reaver mm-hmm. one mixes quite well with Berserker. It makes you a bit of an engine of death. These two Scary. go, these two go together quite well. Uh, you can put your Berserk mode on, and then you can enter the Reaver's special mode to gain health back every time you damage your foes. Uh, and if you're going into Berser- Berserker, hopefully you've got a good constitution, so it's it's going to get pretty crazy. And you've already got a good willpower, which is going to help you a lot, a lot as a uh, as a as a as a reaver. So um, and then of course the later later on it only gets more deadly, letting you do free penetrating damage and even getting free attacks when you eventually drop somebody. Berserker reavers are pretty scary. You guys might be fighting one later. I I thought I thought we'd already. Fought a couple. You get to. I mean, I mean, I guess if you fight your dad again, that those are his specializations. Oh, are they? The, I thought he was a champion. Um, I th- maybe I did make him a champion. Berser- I think he was a berserker. He was berserk or something. He might be berserker champion. No, he's a reaver because he he we fought him once and he reavered us and he it did. was uncomfortable. There were a lot of reavers in that fight. There were a lot of reavers. Reavers are dangerous. Yeah, but I can't imagine berserker reaver. That's yeah. <laughs> That's not okay. Not okay. Um, another interesting combo. Uh, spirit warriors could be berserkers who master rage demons to protect them oh. and add bite to their blades against other demons and spirits. I like that one. Yeah. This might be a combo that not a lot of other people see coming. That's a um, dangerous game yeah. you're playing right there. It's but true. I like the it's flavor true. a lot. The the specializations themselves kind of mesh well. Uh, the spirit warrior mode gives you a bonus to defense, which will... Uh, kind of shore up the penalty to defense you're already taking for being for being in berserk mode. Mm-hmm. It also gives you a bonus against uh, spell against spells and magical effects, which is quite helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes you very good at fighting uh, demons, hmm. uh, demons. And, and fighting incorporeal things, which can be very useful when you need it. Um, that but can. while they don't necessarily go together very well, they kind of do because you already have to have a willpower of three to become a berserker. So being able to add your willpower, but you also on need a against... high magic for spirit warrior. It's true, which means, and that's it's a couple true. of uh, those are a couple of stats that you don't normally put that much into. It's true. I think you need a three magic for spirit warrior. Yeah, you do. So so having a three magic and a three willpower, unless you rolled really really well, mm-hmm. it's going to cause you some stat array it's true. issues. Of course, if it's your second specialization, it'd probably be a little easier to get to because even yeah. if you start with a one magic, you only need to put two points into it. If but that's two points you're not putting into your strength. Into, like, communication or... Because well, um, like, that's a secondary. you don't put into perception yeah. or you don't put it into, well, cunning, I guess. If you want to be... A, I mean, you can be a smart berserker. Why not? Yeah. Don't fall into the fog trope. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be. You don't have to be like that. Uh, Templars likely don't have many berserkers in their ranks, uh, but they may start to change around the time of Dragon Age Inquisition. When hatred for the mages may be all that a Templar needs to fly into a rage. 
Mm-hmm. If you plan on taking down a mage in your campaign, day mages in your campaign, this may be worth considering, especially if you are playing a Templar who is uh, maybe a member of that uh, group of deserters from the Templar Order, who decide that killing the mages is more is worth it, worth more than uh, following t- uh, the orders of the order. Oh dear, yep. That that would probably that's one of the few ways that I can see that working out in a yeah. flavor standpoint is the. It's Inquisition, and mages make you angry. Uh-huh. The Mage Templar War has been going for a little while. It's so, bad. Could also be a loose cannon Templar. Mm. Loose cannon Templar doesn't play, play by, by the, the rules. rules. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's a couple of suggestions for builds and for playstyles. Uh, as a couple of suggestions for story, we've got a couple of adventure seeds to get you guys uh, thinking, get you guys, gals, friends of ours, official friends maybe out there who are out there listening to the podcast. But um, so, so uh, a couple of adventure seeds. we got a couple of things to uh, get your creative juices flowing. Um, a couple of adventure seeds first to make your characters a berserker. Um, perhaps... The PC was a survivor of a darkspawn attack, one that claimed more one more one or more loved ones. They have focused their hatred on the alpha who was leading the darkspawn attack, and whenever they think of that creature's toothy grin, they can't help but break something. Harnessing that rage to take revenge may become a major motivator for the PC, but some people may seek to turn them away from this path for their own good. If the PC finds the right teacher, they could make the more constructive use of this fury and maybe one day catch up to that alpha that still haunts their dreams. Mm, that's tough. Uh Another possibility, perhaps. Uh, the PC grew up in a bad home or a rough neighborhood, and they have not grown up happy. Their rage has been built up over time, and has become a part of their psyche that they cannot shake. Now they have an outlet in the Berserker specialization, and they seem to have little trouble thinking of something a local bully said, being locked up by their parents, or witnessing some injustice, and flying into a rage. This is a particularly good intro for a city elf. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Or a uh, uh, an escaped slave. Ooh, yes. Basically, yes, I can I can see a few elves with some chips on their shoulders going mm-hmm. this route. <laughs> Keep that in mind, uh, or maybe even like a commoner dwarf. That's true. That would probably drive some castless. folks in the warrior in warrior cast crazy that there's some berserkers coming out of the castless. Nice. Perish the thought. Ugh. <laughs> Um, perhaps a PC tried to gain membership of a uh, into a knightly order, but has been rejected possibly more than once. Uh, whether this is the Templar Order, the Chevaliers, or even the Grey Wardens, the PC doesn't get why they won't take them in. They have trained hard and long to join, and as they fester in their frustration, they might find a new power in their rage. They may make the mistake of taking this newfound strength to the recruiters. They do not seek to join, however. They only seek to show them what they've been missing. So, yeah, you that know, could be... That whole thing about chips on your shoulders. Yeah. Basically, you kind of have to have the chip on your shoulder. The it's chip true. is the thing that makes you mad. The chip's the thing that makes you mad. Gotta get angry. Gotta get mean. <laughs> Gotta do I it. I just made a dodgeball reference. Yeah, you did. From Berserkers. We're gonna move right along. Um, a couple of adventure scenes to involve Berserkers in your campaign, possibly as NPCs. Uh, there is a duelist in Antiva who reportedly has a very terrifying and unconventional fighting style. Fighting with a single blade in one hand and a high end behind his back, he has supposedly fended off multiple attackers from the crows with lethal efficiency and more than one blood-chilling war cry. Uh, one of the PCs happens to be related to someone who a traveling warrior has a powerful grudge against. This grudge is so great that they have found a wellspring of rage, enough to become a berserker seeking revenge for a slight for long ago. 
Will the PC come their rage by offering to help, or will they be hunted by a hungry blade wielded by an unrelenting foe? Uh, or, one of the PCs is recruited into the Ash Warriors or seeks recruitment in their ranks. Perhaps they are an ex-criminal who seeks to do some good with their life. Uh, perhaps they simply noticed by a pro- they are simply noticed by a promised member who needs to f- a prominent member who needs to fill a position that was recently emptied. It could be possible uh, that the that the Mabari Hound who survived their bonded companion may find healing in bonding with their new friend. Oh, feelings! Of course, if you get too much healing, then you're not angry anymore. It's true, and that's a problem. So you can't really ever get to that sort of inner peace, happiness. Mm-hmm. That's not for berserkers. No, you're going to be grumpy no matter what. And if you're not grumpy, you're not berserk. Mm-hmm. Your rage is a bit of a coping mechanism, but it's the thing that gets you through every fight. And mm-hmm. makes sure that the people who do, who, people who need to die do not. I like the idea of the Mabari Hound becoming your new friend. Yes. That's really cute. Okay, I know berserkers aren't supposed to be cute. But... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure like, Ber- it's going to be cute. You can have cute and berserk. Yeah. You don't know. You can you do what you know. want. It could be going berserk as they're getting puppy kisses. Yeah. Well, probably not. So same. much love. <laughs> probably not at the same time. But you could <laughs> you could get both in the span of say an hour. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's. Uh, I think we've talked so much about this particular uh, specialization that. Maybe I'll go berserk if we talk about it any longer. Hmm. Well, we hope you folks enjoy going berserk on your own time. Yes. Uh, but it's about time we signed off. So thank you all for listening to the One is the Thaddeus podcast again. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thank you except, so much for... Oh, sorry. Say except not this time because you're grumpy and you're a berserker. So no happy feels for you. <laughs> right. Just angry. You just need angry feels. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope to hear we hope to hear more from you next time and uh, we'll be back with more wonders of Thetis. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye.